us ears to hear. Amen. 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 Wonderful to be together in God's presence. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We are discovering again, maybe for some of you, maybe for some of you it's the first time hearing this amazing, incredible good news that Jesus came to save, that he came to deliver us from our sin, from darkness, and to give us new life. And as we journey through Romans, the entire book, we are in chapter 5, and we began looking at this, this gospel that is powerful for our salvation. And then Paul says, I am unashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And so we're discovering what that is to, to be uh, bold and in love with what God is doing in the gospel. And so as we go and we discover what salvation is, last week we began Romans chapter 5, which is describing the, the second part of our salvation. The first part is our justification, which we looked at starting in chapter 3 of Romans, that we are made right with God, both legally, relationally, things are good with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But now we're looking at the second part of our salvation, which is our sanctification, meaning God is transforming us. He's changing us. He's making us new. And in chapter 5, we looked, as Paul introduced this subject, he introduced this idea of hope, that it's hope that God gives us as we enter this process of God's saving grace. He says, by faith in this grace which we now stand. So aren't you thankful we stand in grace? And says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And so as God is saving us, delivering us from our sin, from our old patterns, our old ways of living, we have hope. <laughs> and this hope, as we learned, is demonstrated in God's love and that we were sinners. He reconciled to us and he says he pours that love into our hearts and through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we have this incredible hope. Today, as we continue in Romans chapter 5, we're going to be looking at eternal life. Would you stand with me as we read the rest of chapter 5 starting in verse 12 through verse 21. Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure sin was in the world before the law was given but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who received God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life. 
for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, God, uh, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Praise God. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You may be seated. So this week, as I spent time in this passage, I want to share with you, I, I, I realized again how as adults and as we get older, we lose a sense of wonder and awe. And uh, that's one thing I love about having kids and being around kids is they have that wonder and awe as they discover things around them. And many of you can remember those childlike moments of amazement at things you experienced or saw. But as we get older, sometimes we become familiar and, and brittle. But this week, as I read this passage, it, it struck me that as Paul was writing these words, how he must have been awed and how the wonder of what God is doing in Jesus must have gripped his heart. And I just want to step back a little bit before we dive deep into some of the, the truths in this passage and just look at the scope of what Paul is talking about. Our lives, if we live to 70, 80 years, are really a short blip on the history of all of humanity. If you think about the thousands and thousands of years that human beings have lived on this earth, as you look back at all the books that have written and things that have been said over the centuries and the millennia and you think back all the things that have happened in our world and you think about our life and we feel pretty small and that's what Paul does here he opens our view to all of human history all the way to the very first man and first woman Adam and Eve and he introduces that story to us the story of God creating man and woman at the very beginning of time and if you go back to Genesis there's a, a beautiful image where, where it's, it's, God forms man but then he breathes life into him and if you think about it breath is a, is a, a beautiful symbol and a reality of life when my kids were born and as they came into the world you wait for that moment right when they will take their first breath and then it's a scream right <laughs> but it's a it's a joyful sound because that means there's life right and so God breathed into Adam and Eve and he created them good and he gave them a garden and animals and a beautiful earth to care for he also created a tree of knowledge of good and evil and he said enjoy the entire garden everything I've created except don't go near that tree and we know the story that Adam and Eve went to that tree and they saw the fruit looked good and they tasted it and they rebelled against God. And because of that sin and that disobedience and that rebellion against God, a separation was created between God and man. And as all of us know, we live in a world under the curse of sin and death. And so when we come to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, we see the vista of human history starting with Adam. And we're also struck by the staggering weight of that 
choice that Adam and Eve made. And Paul says, as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in that way death came to all people. And we say, wait a minute, that's not fair. <laughs> why, why could one man create so much havoc and chaos? And, and, and if you go back like me and read history, you, you feel the weight of human depravity and how the, the devastation of, of choices and things that have happened to people through war and, and abuse and all kinds of terrible things that have happened in human history. And it's overwhelming. It's staggering, the weight. And it all started with one man. And might, we might say, wait a minute. Why, why should that be fair that all of us should suffer that way? But Paul also says, because all sinned. And so in Adam, we see ourselves. We see our daily choices. And I am faced with the reality that I make choices every day that go against what God desires, what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, and, and those choices are sin. And so in one sense, we have inherited this condition, but we also act upon it. And, th and so if we were in Adam's place, we would have done the same thing. And so we see that. We see that, that tension between inheriting and doing what is wrong. And so because of this condition, because of this thing as uh, of, of devastation because of Adam, Paul highlights the work of God in light of that. In light of the, the weight of human history in the light of what Adam has done, the good news is in verse 15, the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and gift that came by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So here's the good news. The gift is greater than the trespass. It has more power, more beauty, more wonder than all the devastation of sin. And it started with Jesus. So Jesus, Paul is introducing as the new Adam. Unlike the first Adam who chose death and sin and rebellion, Jesus chose life and righteousness and he lived the righteous life, a life of unselfishness, a life of healing and blessing to any, many and all. And not only that, he went where no one else could go. He went to a cross to take upon himself all the weights of human history, all the sin, all the devastation, all the darkness, all the pain of humanity was placed upon Jesus. And so when he died on the cross, it wasn't only my sin and your sin, but every sin that had ever been committed, every wrong act was placed upon him. Can you imagine? We can't. Jesus took upon himself death and sin on the cross so that the grace of God could be poured out on all. What amazing message. What an amazing truth. To explain this, uh, to help understand this, um, there's a novel that I've read twice. I haven't read many novels twice, and so this is a book that um, I think is, is pretty special. Uh, it was written by Victor Hugo in the 1800s, and I say this with a Spanish accent because I speak more Spanish, Les Miserables. And it's an, a fascinating story, but he highlights in this story what I think Paul is revealing to us here of this tension between law 
and grace and how the work of God is greater than the curse of sin and death for our lives. So in this story, some of you are familiar with it. Um, others maybe haven't, aren't familiar with it, so I'm going to give a quick overview. We're introduced to a character named Jal Vajan who grew up poor and, and uh, didn't have uh, enough food to eat. And so in his desperation, he found a piece of bread and he stole it and he was caught. And so he was taken by the police to hard labor. And I can't remember the exact number of years, but it must have been 20, 30 years. Much of his life was spent in hard labor and chains. But then he's released. But he's released as a convicted felon. And so he has to carry around a paper that says that he is a felon. And anywhere he goes, any job or anywhere he goes, he has to tell people, I am a felon. And so the picture is painted of a dark, rainy night and he's out looking for a place to stay, shelter, knocking on doors and people are rejecting him because they, they don't want to be around a felon. And then he knocks on a door and the door opens and it's a priest. And the priest has compassion on him and invites him in and he feeds him supper and he, and he, and he gives him a bed and a warm place and, and love. And in the middle of the night, Javajan wakes up and in his desperation he sees some silver um, that this priest has and he takes it and he runs, he steals, and he's caught again. And he's brought back to the priest so that the police could get a statement condemning Javajan to life in prison. But the, but the story takes a surprising turn because the priest, instead of saying he is guilty, says, I have given this silver to this man. Let him go. Javajan's amazed because this priest exhibits grace. <laughs> Instead of condemning him, he gives him grace. And he says to Javajan, now go and live a new life. And that's a transformational moment. As Javajan experiences grace, he goes out and he begins to live a new life. Instead of stealing and taking in desperation, he becomes a blessing and he gains incredible wealth and he becomes a mayor of a city and he does incredible amount of good deeds and blessing to many people. And in the story, there's a character named Javet who represents the law. And he's a police inspector who is chasing down Javajan because he says he deserves to go to prison. He deserves to be condemned. And so he chases Javajan throughout the entire story, pursuing him with the law that he doesn't deserve this second chance. He doesn't deserve this new life. The story takes a turn with a young woman who uh, has a baby out of wedlock and, and she's condemned to prostitution. She loses her job, but Javajan finds her sick and dying, and this young daughter being raised by cruel people, and she asked with her dying breath that Javajan would take her daughter and care for her, and he promises to do so. And so the rest of the story is him taking this young girl, Corsette, and giving her a new life of, of, of freedom and wealth and privilege and protection all the while while he's pursued by the law and at the very end Javet commits suicide in desperation as the law reaches its ultimate conclusion that there is no salvation there's no life in law but what I want you guys to think about in light of that illustration in this passage is the gift of Jesus and that we are like that little girl, Corset, who grew up knowing only the blessing, only the protection, only the love of Javajan. 
She never knew the hard labor, the, the pain and the suffering of her mom and all those things. She only knew the grace and the gift. She inherited what she didn't deserve. And in the same way, we are like that. <laughs> Jesus has made a way for us to inherit freedom and life and protection and ultimately eternal life, as it said in, in verse 21. And so we have this comparison. Life in Adam and life in Christ. And as we think about this, if we think about what we've inherited, think about with me these different words as, as throughout this passage, Paul is comparing and contrasting. Comparing Adam with what we have in Christ. And, and, and my prayer for us this morning is that we would be amazed at the weight and the beauty and the sweetness of the gift and how it far outweighs the curse of all the sin and the death that has come through Adam and in our own lives, in our own world. Now, inheritance is a funny thing. You know, there's things that we um, like about what we inherit from our uh, parents or grandparents, different physical features or things. I remember as a young boy, um, as you can see, I have blonde hair, asking God, please take away my blonde hair. <laughs> and you wonder, why is that? Well, I grew up in a place where no one else had blonde hair. <laughs> and I, I wanted to fit in like with everyone else. And, and obviously God didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> but there's things we inherit, things that we like or we don't like. But, but I want you to look with me at what we inherit with Christ and the gift that it is. In Adam, in verse 12, we inherit what? Death. The result of sin. Death is the absence of life and breath. It's marked by separation, fear, guilt, shame, and despair. And we will, we will all die physically, but the, the death that's being talked about here is more than just physical death. It's a way of despair and guilt and shame. And that's what we had in Adam. But look what we have in Christ. Eternal life. Verse 21, the result of the gift of this relationship with God is eternal life. It's the presence and the life, the breath of God in our, lives, in our lives. It's marked by the presence of God, His love, His joy, His peace, His patience, His kindness, His goodness, His self-control in our lives. That's eternal life. And not only in this life, but for all of eternity we will live. This is what we have in Christ. In Adam, we had sin, which means literally to miss the mark. It's like a bicycle whose wheel is is twisted and, and torn and you're trying to ride that wheel it, everything's off base it's, you, you can't go forward that's what sin is it's a pattern of living apart from God it doesn't work life doesn't work but that's what we had in Adam but in Christ what do we have a gift it's the intervention of God to to break this pattern of sin and so it's a it's a new wheel on the bicycle so we can go forward we can enjoy the wind in our face and so this gift is a a new life a new way of living that gives us access to God's presence in his grace verse 15 and 16 we see the weight of this gift it can't be compared and then in Adam we had the trespass and trespass means that we willingly choose to go against God's will and lordship. That's what Adam did. He knew it was wrong, but he did it anyway. And every time we do that, we are reflecting Adam. But in Christ, we're no longer identified as a trespasser like Jalvajan. We don't carry a, a, a paper around that says felon. Rather, we have grace. We carry 
the grace card. It's God's action to change the way we live, to begin a new life according to God's plan, to live under his lordship and to live according to his will. And so now we are identified by grace. In Adam, we were condemned. And this is the penalty of our willful disobedience, the willful trespass. We know with our kids, when they go against what we say is, is what they should do, and they do it anyway, there's discipline, there's punishment. But here's the good news, and it's coming in Romans 8. There is thou, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So no longer are we condemned. We are now justified. Verse 18, we are justified. Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Do you see the beauty and the weight of that gift? In Adam, we were under law. And the law created in us the knowledge of what we were doing wrong, which brought guilt and shame and a heavy burden, and we couldn't get out of it. We would want to do what, we, what was good, but we couldn't because the law condemned us instead of helping us live righteously. But now in Christ, we have righteousness, a new way of living, what I like to call the good life, where we are under God's blessing and His favor, where everything is good and right with God and others. And so, in Adam, our condition, sin and death. In Christ, righteousness and eternal life. Eternal life. In verse 21, it tells us, so just as sin reigned in death. And so if we, as, as human beings, we see death all around us, and one day we will face physical death, know this. But Paul is saying for this new life in Christ, we have to know this, so that now grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life. We have eternal life. <laughs> Do you sense and see and experience the grace and the gift of God? My prayer is that this morning that you would know that eternal life, that Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is with us. He is for us. He has made it possible for us. We're going to celebrate communion, and so I'm going to invite the servers to come forward this morning. And just like I talked about wonder, losing it, this is why we need communion to remember what God has done for us, what he's provided for us in Christ that we are no longer marked by sin and death, but by eternal life. And, and Jesus gave us tangible things to eat and drink, to consume, so that we would know that we have life. And so right now the servers are going to pass these elements out. I want you to take the bread and the cup and hold on to it, and then we're going to take it all together in a few minutes.